Thank you for listening to this message from Faith Builders. Pastors Philip and Michelle Still are dedicated to building your faith and framing your world by the Word of God. There are many more resources available on our website, www.buildfaith.net, where you can find links to our audio and video archives. We also invite you to join us online for our live stream services. Remember to build your faith and frame your world by the Word of God. And so Psalm 91, verse 1, notice, He that dwelleth in the secret place of the Most High shall abide under the shadow of the Almighty. I will say of the Lord, He is my refuge and my fortress. My God in Him will I trust. And we said from the very beginning of this that Psalm 91 is a beautiful example of Hebrew poetry. And over and over again throughout these verses, we see things that are used that are somewhat similar but different. And, and they usually come in pairs of two or three. Notice he says, He that dwelleth in the secret place of the Most High shall abide. Well, dwell and abide carry the idea that this is not just an every now and then thing. It's an it's a everyday part of regular life. I'm dwelling and I'm abiding there. Amen. Amen. Right? You, you, you can't say you're dwelling somewhere and you just hang out occasionally. Or abiding. When I was a boy growing up in church, we sang a song, Abiding in the Vine, Abiding in the Vine. Amen. Well, it was, it was, it was written after the verse where Jesus said, If you abide in me and my words abide in you, you'll ask what you will and it shall be done for you. So that tells us why some people ask and don't receive because they're not abiding. I've got to abide there. I've got to stay there. And so, God has given us a very clear way to take control of our minds. Amen. Your mind is your mind. And in John chapter 15, we'll come back to Psalm 91, but John 15, y'all are easy to preach to. Oh my goodness. You know, Brother Hagin said when he was a boy, he used to go out in the garden and preach to the cabbage heads. He said, sometimes I feel like I'm preaching to cabbage heads yet. Amen. No cabbage heads here tonight. Amen. Thank you, John chapter 15 and verse 7. Notice this is the scripture we quoted. If you abide in me. Now notice the word if. If you abide in me and my words, and we could say if my words abide in you, then you will ask what you will, and it shall be done unto you. Right? So there is a condition here. It's not just asking what you will, and it will be done. The condition is, if you abide, and my words abide in you. So once the condition has been met, you can receive the answer. A lot of people, believers, don't want to meet the conditions. Because the abiding is incumbent on me. Everything God has promised me in the Word is conditional. And it's conditional upon me. Amen. Why? Because God's Word is covenant. In the book of Lamentations, if you'll remember these verses, he said this, uh, Jeremiah was talking about how he was about to lose hope. And he said, but then I remember, right? your mercies, your compassions, your love, and that your mercies are new every morning. 
Well, that word mercies is the, is, is the Hebrew word hesed. And it means basically steadfast love or covenant love. So God's, everything God has promised us is promised us in the context of covenant, meaning it cannot change unless I violate the condition. If I violate the condition, then the covenant doesn't work for me. Yet it doesn't change the covenant. Right? Doesn't change the covenant. And so, amen, the promises in Psalm 91 are conditional. Because they only belong to those who have a regular habit of trusting God and His Word. I got to have a regular habit of trusting God. Amen. Say out loud. I have a regular habit of trusting God. See, it's, it's something I do regularly. Whatever it may be. Right? If, if it's not regular, it's not every day. Amen. When somebody says, hey, do you, do you drink coffee in the morning? And you say, regularly. We get the idea that you do that every day. Right? Amen. So we have to be more focused on God's truth than we are on uh, the events that try to trouble us. And that's not just world events. That, that, for some people watching or maybe even here now, it, it could be your monthly bills. It could be your children. It could be uh, uh, issues in your marriage. It could be whatever it is. Those things will try to trouble you, and you've got to be more focused on the truth of God's Word than you are on those things that are trying to trouble you. Because they're coming to get your attention. Amen. Yeah, but this thing's just always on my mind. Nobody can take it off of your mind but you. I've got to take it off of my mind. If it's going to come off my mind, I've got to do it. Yeah, but I just need God to take the thought. God's not going to take the thought. It's not God's mind. It's your mind. And he said, we said Sunday morning, he said the way to have perfect peace or double peace or peace peace is to keep your mind stayed on him. Is that right? Amen. So for many... The only time they can be at peace is when the trouble is completely taken away. Amen. And we have to learn to be so focused on God's promise that we're comfortable even when troubles arise. Yeah, but how, how can you be comfortable? Listen, my son, my oldest son, that boy can sleep anywhere anywhere we we used to go to it's actually not real far from here a place called Wyandotte Oklahoma and we would go to Wyandotte Oklahoma every year for the world's largest scenario paintball game uh, D-Day in Wyandotte Oklahoma and, and it's a it's a replay of the D-Day invasion and they got one side that's Germans and one side that's American we were always Americans amen and uh, so anyway we would go and one year we went and the guy we went with had a tent and I don't know what this guy was thinking. He, he put it up in an in a awkward location. And the thing had a hole in the, in, the, in the base of it right where I was sleeping. And it come a gully washer. Y'all know what a gully washer is? Or a toad strangler? It come a rain. All right? And the water was just flowing. And you know where it flowed? Right through that hole? Right into our tent. 
Man, I, you know, wet sleeping bag, you can't sleep. I couldn't anyway. And my son is in the same predicament. His bag is wet, he's wet. His head is laying in water and he's out. Wow. I, I, I started to say I got up the next morning. I was up when morning came. And he come out of that tent, Yon, did you sleep good? How could I sleep good? There's a river in our tent. Well, here's the point. That's how you got to be when it comes to the promises of God. It, trouble comes, but you're comfortable because you're resting on the promise. Am I helping you? You've got to establish and maintain your focus on God's Word. And here's how you do it. With your mouth. Notice Psalm 91 again. Psalm 91 and verse 2. This is so important. Oh, thank you, Jesus. Psalm 91 and verse 2. Notice he says, I will say of the Lord, He is my refuge and my fortress. My God in Him will I trust. That's how you maintain your focus. By saying. Notice the three pairs we have here. The three pairs are saying and trusting. Right? I will say of the Lord, He is my refuge and my fortress. My God in Him will I trust. The Lord... And my God, and then refuge and fortress. So notice that saying and trusting go together. If we're not saying God's word, then we're not trusting God's word. If I'm not saying it, I'm not trusting it. All right? Amen. In, in whatever situation it may be, I've dealt a lot over the years with people with their, with their children. And I know how dealing with children that are wayward, how painful it can be and challenging it can be. But I remember, uh, 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 you know, people would come to me and they'd say things like, oh, I just don't know what we're going to do with, with, and you name, you know, Billy, Susie, whatever it may be. They're just, uh, you know, they're just running as fast as they can away from God. These people would also tell you that they were believing for their child to be born again. But what they're saying is opposite to what they claim they're trusting in. See, us people of faith, we've, we've had some people knock us over the years because they say, well, you're just, that's just positive thinking. No, when you say, my children are born again, right? When you say, the captives of the mighty will be taken prey, Amen. But the Lord will contend with them that contend with me and will save my children. When you say that, you're saying, I trust more in God's ability to save my children than I put my trust in the devil's ability to destroy them. Not just a positive confession. It's your trust. It's what I'm trusting in. Oh, glory to God. When we're in trouble, this is important. We need to hear God's voice. I'm not talking about a voice outside. You need to hear God's voice. The Bible is God talking to you. When you pick up the word and you begin to declare the word, you're hearing God's voice. 
Yeah, but I'm the one saying it. Yeah, but whose words are you saying? I'm hearing God's voice. So important. Glory to God. It's not enough just to read it. We need to hear it. I need to hear the word. I need to hear what's being said. And, and more often than not, I need to hear it in my voice. Amen. Because uh, nine times out of ten, you'll listen to you before you listen to anybody. <laughs> Amen. And if you're saying it continually, if you're talking about how God's your refuge and your fortress and your, and your strong tower and your victory, well, you're going to believe it. But I've got to be saying it. When we talk the word, we give voice to the word. The, wor- the word's got to have a voice. Brother Copeland has said for years that, that the believer has a voice, and it's the voice of victory. Amen. He started saying that in the 1970s. The believer has a voice, and it's the voice of victory. Well, the Word of God has a voice, and it's yours. Amen. So when we talk about speaking the Word, declaring the Word, that's how I maintain my focus. Because the enemy will say any number of things. Well, what about this? you got to declare the word. The enemy came to Jesus and offered him three different temptations. And Jesus did not just flippantly respond to those. He responded with the word and in exact uh, 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 opposition to what the enemy said. Mm -hmm. Amen. Now, he couldn't answer if he didn't know the word. The the word I don't know is going to be someday the word I need. And if I don't have it, I can't say it. It's important. That's why every believer, everybody watching, everybody in this room, you should have a working knowledge of what the word says about everything in your life. Because there's going to come a day that pastor isn't going to be there to to quote the word to you or to help you. And and we love doing that. But there's going to come a day when when your fear tries to seize you or the devil tries to overcome you in some area or whatever it may be. You've got to learn to answer for yourself with your mouth. Amen. Glory to God. When we speak the word... We're giving our heart the same thing as if God was speaking to us Himself audibly. That's important. Because I've, I've heard people say, well, you know, uh, and, and talk about wanting to hear the audible voice of God. Well, that's, that's I, I, I guess that's, I started to say important. I mean, uh, I don't know that I've ever heard the audible voice of God, but I know I've heard His voice. But audible or not, it doesn't matter. Peter said that we have a more sure word of prophecy, which is this written word. Why? Because audible voices can be faked. Audible voices can be counterfeited. The two things that cannot be counterfeited are the written word and the inward witness. And the devil can't counterfeit those because you can read it right here in the Word And you can sense it in your spirit. Amen. Mm. We've got to place more trust in what God has said than in what we feel. Feelings feelings are two things. Number one, they're overrated. And number two, they're liars. 
Feelings are liars. Now that, that doesn't mean that feelings aren't valid at times, but they lie. Amen. Because, because you'll talk to people and they'll say, I just feel overwhelmed. They're not overwhelmed, they feel overwhelmed. I feel like I'm not making any headway. They are making headway, but they feel like they're not. Here's what I've learned. You will eventually succumb and become what your feelings tell you you are. If, if you don't deal with it. Amen. And I deal with it by saying, Hallelujah. The only way to get that done is to say God's word to ourselves out loud. Now this is important because uh, uh, our minds will race a thousand miles an hour. And the only way to slow it down is with our mouth. Our tongue has been designed by God to capture our mind. I've used the illustration over the years. I'm not going to take the time to do it tonight, but I've used the illustration over the years, and I've asked people before, I said, if you don't believe this, then just right there where you're sitting, in your subconscious, in your mind, just start counting to 20. And they would count for, you know, two or three, four digits. And I'd say, okay, now stop and say your name out loud. And I'd ask him, what would you have to do to say your name out loud? Had to stop thinking. Right? You had to stop thinking. So when that thought of fear, that thought of failure comes, and you open your mouth and you say, I'm not a failure, I'm a champion. I'm not defeated, I'm an overcomer. Right? Yeah, but you might this or that. I, no, I'm not going to do that. I'm going to do what God said. And you fill in the blank. I will, I, 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 will, I will not die, but I will live. And I will declare the works of the Lord. I will live out my span of my days on this earth. And I will give glory to God. I will go to my grave in a good old age. Amen. Right? Or whatever it may be. Yeah, but you know you're going broke. Can't go broke, devil. I'm rich and abundantly supplied in Jesus' name. I have given and it is always given unto me. Good measure pressed down, shaken together and running over. I prosper in everything I do. Devil, if I started a garbage collection business, it'd prosper because he said, whatever I put my hands to will prosper. Amen. That's important. Those are not just faith confessions. That's what you've got to do. Amen. I've had people say, well, what if I lose my house? You can't lose your house. You can't lose what God gave you. Amen. God gave me this house, and I won't lose this house. He said in Mark chapter 10 that when I gave my life to the kingdom, that I could expect houses to come into my life. And God doesn't give houses and take houses. God does not give and take away. He blesses and makes away. Amen. I'm declaring over you, you're not going to lose nothing. Amen. And then you got to echo that. And you need to remind the devil, this is my house. You have nothing to do about this. Or this is my family, or this is my job, or whatever it may be. 
the enemy will come and lie to you and tell you he's going to do something with what belongs to you. Amen. Hallelujah. That'd be like a neighbor trying to spank my child. We'd have a problem. Right? Because that's not your child. Yeah, but they did this. It doesn't matter. That's not, that's not your child. But the enemy will come to believers and talk about what he's going to do and believers, instead of answering it, will get into fear. Well, what I've had people tell me, well, it could happen. You said it. I choose to declare it can't happen. Amen. And I've actually had people tell me, but it might. You know, it could. No, it can't. Why? Because the Bible says right here in this chapter, no evil will befall me. Is that right? I got to say that. I, I use the scripture where Jesus talked about the man that built his house on the rock. And he said the floods came and the winds blew and the rains beat, but the house stood because it was built on the rock. Yeah, but that's not a natural house. Yeah, but it's my life. It's indicative of my life. And I spend part of my life in a house. And my house is safe. My house is safe from thieves. My house is safe from destruction because it's built on the rock. And you got to say it. Thank you, Jesus. Oh, boy. I want to watch my time. When we begin to say, we bring our God, the Lord, into a very personal place in our life. When you begin to say, God shows up personally. And we talked about that in the very first teaching. That, that God said, I'll cover you like a mother hen covers her chicks. And, and, and that was indicative of the animal that will protect their chicks, the, their, their offspring, the fiercest. Because everything that can get in that chicken coop can kill that chicken. So that means that God says, I'm like a mother hen. I'll defend you like my life depends on it. And then he said, and with my shield and buckler, I'll protect you. Meaning, I not only have the desire to protect you, I have the warrior ability to get done what I want to do. So you're protected by him and he has the ability to keep you. Glory to God. We receive information into our physical being through the five physical senses. Hearing, seeing, smelling, tasting, touching, so on and so forth. But we can't only receive information into our spirit. But let me say it this way. We cannot only receive information into our spirit. We can only receive information into our spirit by the Holy Spirit. That's it. I cannot receive information into my spirit by what I feel. Right? So when I hear the word of God, the Holy Spirit works on that word to bypass my physical senses. Yeah, but it looks like I'm failing. Yeah, but when you begin to declare, I won't fail, I'll succeed, and you're declaring the word of God, the Holy Spirit begins to work on that word and bypasses your physical senses. Amen. Now, in Luke 24, and... uh, uh, I'm, I'm sort of hurrying. Just hold my mule. <laughs> you should have you seen the people on, uh, 
on uh, uh, social media shouting that the other day. Hold my mule. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Hallelujah. Hallelujah. This, I'm, I'm going to hurry and kind of uh, 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 synopsize some of this. This is when Jesus appeared to the eleven. And verse 30, he said, Why are your hearts troubled? Why do thoughts arise in your hearts? Behold, my hands, my feet, it's myself. Handle me, see, for a spirit hath not flesh and bones as you see me. And then uh, they still were not convinced. And he said in verse 41, Do you have any meat? They gave him broiled fish and a honeycomb. And they were still having trouble with it. And he said unto them in verse 44, These are the words which I spake unto you while I was with you. All things must be fulfilled which are written in the law of Moses and the prophets and the Psalms concerning me. Then opened he, the, then he said, then opened he their understanding that they might understand the scriptures. Now notice, Jesus appeared to them physically and they felt his hands and saw him, but they still didn't believe. If, if you think that's interesting, in one of the four gospels, it says that they went to the Mount of Transfiguration with Jesus and that He was transfigured before them and some did not believe. They saw angels come and get Him and take Him and they still didn't believe. But notice something. He ate fish and honeycomb. They finally believed after he opened the scriptures to them. After he spoke the word to them. Amen? We believe in the heart and not the head. You don't believe in your head. You believe in your heart. Faith is of the heart, not the head. Yet, there has to be something imparted into our hearts in order to believe. That's what God's word does. When you speak the word, you're imparting something into your heart. And, and when you're trusting, you're saying. I mean, think about it. When you tell your spouse, if you're married, and you tell your spouse, baby, I love you more than I love anybody in this world, you're building trust through what you're saying. Well, how would you erode that trust? Well, I think I love you. Vernon got it right. Oops. <laughs> it's not going to work. There's not much trust there. Right? When you're constantly declaring the Word of God, it shows you trust what God said. If, if Brother Billy over here told me, he said, Pastor, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to be by your place uh, Friday at 7 p.m. and, and uh, uh, I, I'm, I'm going to do such and such or, I'm, or whatever. You know, I'm going to come by. Well, I trust His Word. I trust what He said. So I'm going to take what He said. And if, if Brother Tavakal over here said, Pastor, you know, can you come over here Friday at 7? I would say, no, because Brother Billy said he's coming over at 7. Right? Does that make sense? So the circumstance says one thing, but God's Word says another thing. I, either one of them will get into your heart by what you say. But if I say, no, this is what God said, and I declare what God said, then, then I'm out of my head, and I'm over here in my heart now. Glory be to God. Amen.
Thank you, Jesus. This is so important. Let's go to 1 Samuel 17. And we'll, uh, we'll uh, wrap up with these next two verses. But who glory. And this, this again, is in any area. I, I, have, I have learned this over the years. And, and, and I don't know everything. I'm, I'm still uh, learning a lot. But uh, 1 Samuel 17 and verse 16. You, 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 God, and, and I want to say this, and I want you to understand what I mean. God allows Goliaths or challenges in order to raise up Davids. And then he shows off his Davids to the world. Amen. I didn't say God was the cause of the challenge, but there are things that come into people's lives that God knew was coming, but they were allowed. Amen. Because he was raising something up in that person. There are things I've went through that if I had never went through them, it, it, the, the things I learned about how to trust God, God didn't cause the problem. Right. right? But I had to learn to trust Him in the problem. He didn't send it to teach me to trust Him. But He didn't take it out of my life because I had to trust Him. Yes, Does that make sense? Yes, sir. When I learned to trust God financially... I learned to trust God financially with nothing in the bank, less than nothing in the bank, minus in the bank. Amen. That's how I learned to trust God. And you know, God did not miraculously, supernaturally funnel plenty of money into my bank account and say, now there, that proves that you can trust me. I had to trust what was said in the written word before I ever saw any physical evidence of finances in my bank account. Until I learned to trust the written word, the money never showed up. Absolutely. And what did I have to trust? If I would give, it would be given to me. If I sowed, I would reap. If I tithe, the windows of heaven would be open and a blessing that there's not room enough to receive would be poured out upon me. And I had to take that at face value from the word. Right. Amen. Amen. Glory to God. Yes, now, Hallelujah. And to a large extent, God's made, God's made me a David in that area. And, and you come to this church long enough, you can't stay broke. That's right. Because, because there's an anointing to prosper here. It will. It'll get on you. You'll walk in a room and somebody will go, Hmm, I smell prosperity. And say, That's me. Uh, that's me. Amen. <laughs> First Samuel 17, 16. And the Philistine drew near morning and evening and presented himself 40 days. So twice a day, Goliath challenged Israel. 80 challenges. 80 challenges. Twice a day for 40 days. 80 challenges. With his words. Right? Look at verse 34. Mm. And David said to Saul, now notice, this is important. I'm, I'm reading this for emphasis. David said to Saul, Your servant kept his father's sheep. There came a lion, a bear, and a bear, and took a lamb out of the flock. I went after him, smote him, delivered it out of his mouth, and when he arose against me, I caught him by his beard and smote him. Mm. 
your servant slew both the lion and the bear. And notice he's saying something. And this uncircumcised Philistine will be as one of them, seeing he's defied the armies of the living God. David said, moreover, the God, the Lord that delivered me out of the paw of the lion and the paw of the bear will deliver me out of the hand of this Philistine. And Saul said to David, go and the Lord be with you. When Goliath came out later that day, David was already prepared. He didn't have to get ready. Do you see that? In times of trouble, nobody just rises to the occasion. Here's why. When times of crisis arise, if you're not prepared, you won't rise to the occasion. I got to be ready. Do you see that? Amen. You don't, nobody ever rises to the occasion. You fall to the level of your preparation. If I, have le- if I have little preparation, I fall to that level. If I have prepared greatly, I rise to that level. Amen. There are people you see, it seems like they face challenges, and they just knock them down. They just kick them aside. They just nail them and, and move on. That didn't just happen. That They don't have a superior constitution. They were ready when the problem showed up. Amen. I, I, don't, I don't watch much sports. I'm not against you if you do. I, I, I don't have time. If you watch them, that's fine. I'm, I'm not knocking them. I'm just saying. But, but I used to. And, and I, w- I would hear over and over again, pe- uh, a team would lose and they would lose badly. And they'd say, well, coach, what happened? And I, oh, I, we just weren't prepared. How can you not be prepared? You're a professional football coach with a professional team that, that collectively is getting paid multi-millions of dollars and you're telling me that you're not prepared. What does that say? You don't take your job very seriously, and you didn't take the opposition very seriously. The Bible says that our opponent in this fight is a murderer, a liar, He steals, he kills, and destroys. You cannot underestimate him. You have to always be prepared to the nth degree for the opposition that the enemy is going to try to bring your way. Because he's not just going to try to make it hard on you. He's going to try to destroy you. He's going to try to wipe you out. But when you're prepared, you'll answer the call. Glory be to God. Amen. Let, 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 Let me hurry. The reason David was able to do what he did was because of what he had been doing all along. And notice this. There's much more detail given in this account to what David said to Goliath than what he did to Goliath. Much more detail. Notice in verse 45. Then David said to the Philistine, You come to me with a sword and a spear and a shield. But I come to you in the name of the Lord of hosts, the God of the armies of Israel that you've defied. This day. (laughs) Boy, I like that. This day will the Lord deliver you into my hand. I will smite you. I will take your head from you. And I will give the carcasses of the host of the Philistines this day under the fowls of the air and to the wild beasts of the earth that all the earth may know there's a God in Israel. And this assembly will know the Lord saves not with sword and spear. For the battle is the Lord's and He will give you into our hands. Do you see that? The Holy Spirit, who's the author of the Bible, 
place much more emphasis on what David said than on what he did. It, it, just a couple verses tells us what he did. Ran towards Goliath, threw the stone, knocked him out, cut his head off. That's it. Didn't take any time to tell that. But it showed us how he prepared. David rehearsed what God had done for him. We don't know how many times he rehearsed the lion and the bear and faced a challenge and thought, well, he delivered me out of the paw of the bear and the lion. You've got to answer the enemy like that. When he says, I'm going to get you, you're going to fail, you're not going to make it, you need to open your mouth and say, do you remember? Do you remember last year you said the same thing and here I am? Because there's nothing you can do. You, you cannot stop me because I have no fear of you. And because I have no fear of you, you have no power over me. Right? I, I'm not afraid of you. What do you do with somebody that has no fear? What can you do to them? You can't intimidate them. You can't bully them because they're not afraid. This was the issue with David. Read the Bible. You never see David afraid of anybody. Not because he was the biggest or the strongest, but he said it in Psalm 23. Even if I'm walking through the valley that's covered by the shadow of death, I will not fear because you're with me. And how often did he say that? Regularly. Amen? So there are five steps. Real quickly, and I'm just going to give them to you. We're not going to teach on them. Take advantage of your time to develop a secret place. Take advantage of your time to develop a secret place. Not, not just in the season we're in, but again, it's regularly you're abiding there. Take advantage of your time to develop a secret place. Number two, read Psalm 91 out loud every day. Every day. Uh, a really good translation, read it out of a beautiful, powerful, is the Passion Translation. Or read it every day. Why? You're saying some things over you. Thirdly, be a hope dealer. Be a hope dealer. My wife asked me the other day, what are you doing, honey? I said, dealing a little hope. I'm getting a shirt made up that says, OG, hope dealer. Amen. Number four, let God use you to help others. Let God use you to help others. Because they need hope. Amen. Hallelujah. I'm devising a plan right now to deal some hope in my neighborhood. Amen. People need to know. They know you're a pastor. They need some hope. Amen. I've already decided, Christmas, my garbage men, every one of them is getting a crisp new $50 bill. Well, why would you do that? I want, I, I want them to know I appreciate you. I want to deal some hope. Amen. Deal some hope. And then finally, fifthly, pray for our leaders. Pray. Pray, pray for them every day. Pray for their wisdom. Pray for God's guidance in their life. You'd be amazed what taking those five steps will do. And continually say, if you wake up tonight and a thought's coming into your mind, don't, don't just roll over and fluff your pillow and, and, and turn the fan on. Say something. 
Because that's working to get into your subconscious. And, and I'll finish up with this. What I said uh, Sunday morning is, is so important because uh, even when you're sleeping and your mind's running and thoughts are running through your mind, right? Remember what we said about meditation? It's, 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 it's revolving something. And eventually you keep turning it over in your mind and turning it over in your mind. Your spirit will reach out and grab it. And then it'll internalize it. Because what you constantly think on, your spirit thinks you want. And Charles Capps used to say, when you go to bed and you go to bed with worry and concern on your mind, your spirit is working every hour that you're asleep to bring that to you. So what happens when I go to sleep thanking God that my children are saved? Thanking God that my needs are met. Thanking God that my body's well. Or whatever it is, my business is prosperous. What, what happens? My spirit works all the hours I'm asleep to bring that to me. Hallelujah. That was worth combing your hair and coming to church. Amen. Praise God. Hallelujah. Thank you.